Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Fabio Molle. This week, I've something different. I have a solo episode. Recently, I spent a week at the Thai Club in Athens, Greece, a beautiful venue, watching some of the world's best under 12s compete at the IMG Future Stars event. It's an invite-only event featuring 24 boys and 24 girls, ranging the age of 11 to 12, with a handful of 10-year-olds and one 9-year-old, Uma, who recently moved to France with her family from the Cameroon. These kids are exceptional. As I said, they're some of the best in the world. And a friend of mine, coach and former guest, Gary Cal, reached out to me and says, if I got some time, He'd like if I wrote down some notes on what I thought made these kids special. So the initial idea was to just send him a few notes. But then I thought this could be very helpful for a lot of parents and coaches out there. I know we've many parents and coaches who listen to the podcast. So I really hope you find this interesting. And if you know any other parents, players or coaches who you think may find this useful, please, please share it with them. What I say today may not be something new that you hear, but it's a good reminder. And also, I feel it's something you may have said more for under 14s rather than under 12s. So the landscape has changed a lot in the five to 10 years. Before we get started, I just want to say a huge thanks to our podcast sponsors, ASICS. ASICS came on board at the start of this year. In my opinion, they make the best tennis shoes in the world. I personally wear the Solution Speeds, FF2. I've been wearing the Solution Speeds now since about 2013 when they first came out, roughly around that time. I find them super light and dynamic. It's also the shoe that new ASIC signing Linda Bencic will wear. They also have the Resolution 9s, which are worn by Berentini, and it's the number one shoe I recommend for coaches. It's stable, it's comfy, it's not too light, it's not too heavy, it's just the right weight. Then there's the Court FF3, which is worn and designed with the input of Novak Djokovic. If you cover all areas of the court, can get into crazy sorts of positions retrieving balls, these are the shoes for you. Okay, now let's get into things that I felt stood out with these players. I've roughly 14 short headings here as well as adding a few observations at the end. Okay, to get started, one thing I noticed pretty early on was reset. I found that these players, they understood situations in matches and there's times where they took their time, they'd walk into the corner, they'd pick up a ball, they'd tell themselves down. They really knew when mentally they had to take a reset during points and I did find the pace of the game, especially early on, was a bit slower. And I did think that they were really good at recognizing these situations and just saying to themselves, okay, I'm going to take an extra few seconds here, calm things down. We need to change things up. It gives them time to think. Something that you don't see at the lower levels at junior age where everything is rushed. I did also find the girls to be just a little bit better at this than the guys, though maybe the, the girls are probably a little bit more, a little bit more mature also. Secondly was a drop shot. They could hit a timely drop shot with proper skill and it looked like a lot of work goes into it back around the practice courts. 
I found the girls would bring in girls to the net using the drop shot and then they were always looking to play another ball. The girls weren't as strong at the net as the boys and I found a lot of times the girls hit the drop shots and then to be ready on a passing shot or lob. I found the guys execute the drop shots even better. Technique was great and they were looking to hit winners off the drop shots. Really impressive. Some players played a lot more drop shots but in general, they all like to play a drop shot and set up the point. Now, remember, we were on clay, so that would have dictated that more drop shots would have been in play. Thirdly, I found they had two or three ways of winning points, especially the best players. Whether it was using different spins, open up the court, using the drop shot, serving volume, or just being rock solid when they had to be, the best ones could really do it all. Fourth. They could hit different spins, high speeds, shot, whether it's flat, topspin, backspin, high, low. They could change up the shots. It was really impressive, the vast array of shots they could hit. And especially at that age, under 12 age, where, you know, you, you probably think the slice wouldn't be that good. But they get the better players in this group all could slice really, really well. And they like to change up the shots. So spin, spin, introduce some slice, high balls, low balls. They were really effective at doing that. Five, game plan. It was clearly visible that most of these kids had a game plan going out onto the court. They were studying their opponents. They were trying to figure out what was their opponent's weakness and they were trying to play it. The better ones could definitely recognize situations in matches and chain things up. If things were getting tight, they were changing the trajectory of the ball, introducing slices and spins. I know I've, I've mentioned that a few times, but by having the skill to do it, then they can introduce it into game plans. And something I really noticed when all this was anytime these kids were dragged out wide, they were not pulling the trigger. If you saw them hitting balls outside the tramps, they were coming back down the middle, high, they were buying themselves time. Six, they make returns. All week I saw very few missed returns. The closer we got to the finals, we're seeing even less and less missed returns. They are under 12s. The serve is probably the weakest part of their game, so they can be easily attacked. And the winner, even Drescu, was attacking all serves. He had an unbelievable high numbers of winners. He did miss a few more returns than most of the other players, but he was really, really aggressive and it was paying off for him. But by making returns, the players were not giving away any free points at all. Number seven, I kind of mentioned this above. They can stay in rallies. I found out during the trip that the LTA like to call this rally tolerance. Rarely did I see a player go big when dragged outside the trams. They would make the right decision, making sure to get the ball back in play, allowing them to stay in the point, buy themselves time. They're really, really good decision makers. This is something you really see Novak Djokovic probably execute the best. Anytime he's brought outside the trams, he would always go back center and he would know the risky shot is going for the winner, and he was really good at staying in the point. And it's great to see these kids having this skill. Just jumping in, quick break. If you're finding this useful, please hit subscribe button. Or if you know any parents, players, or coaches that this may resonate with, please share it with them. I'm trying to grow this podcast, and the quickest way to do this is by you sharing this episode. Thank you. Number eight, they can volley 
and they're always looking to get to the net. I was extremely surprised with the level of volleying. Looking back at last year, it didn't seem as strong that they could volley this good, but I was really, really impressed. And also they're trying to set up the point to sneak in. They're looking for the slices so they can come in. They're coming in off high loopy balls, a lot of dry volleys, both on the boys and girls side. It's really good volleying. And they know then when to play the short volley, they know where their opponent is. I was really impressed with their level of volleying and then them making the right decision to get to the net. Number nine, composure. I didn't see many tantrums, throwing rackets, moaning. It was very windy there. Compared to last year, this year was extremely windy. And I didn't hear players moan about the wind. They just got on with it. There were times where I did see players emotionally struggle a little bit with tears on court when things got tight. But these are kids. That That's expected. But from a behavior and composure point of view, they were extremely, extremely good. I'm not sure if this is because they were all invited there and guests of IMG and maybe they were told they had to be careful, but they were well behaved on and off the court. And the whole wind thing really surprised me the most because, you know, wind is such an excuse for tennis players. It was too windy today, blah, blah, blah. But they just got on with it and didn't let it affect them mentally. Ten, they love to compete. I could see the fighter mentality in them all. Even if they were down six love, five love, they were still there fighting. They were competing. They were figuring out ways. How could they stay in the point? And I did see some great comebacks. There were six love first sets where people won and they were beaten ultimately in three. There was matches, the semifinal, five, two down. In the third, uh, Rafael Pagos made a huge comeback, just flipped it. And there's other matches with comebacks also. There were great comebacks during the week and they really believed they could win at all times. And I found the, the fighting on court to be very positive fighting. It wasn't obnoxious fighting, so it was really good. And off the court, these kids were really nice. So it was good to see them compete on the court really hard. And then off the court, they were just kids having a bit of fun. But they definitely have the fighter attitude. And I think that is what you need to be a top tennis player at whatever age. You need to have that fighting mentality. Eleven. There were few double faults. Looking back at last year, I felt there was a lot of double faults. But this year, it looked like there was very, very few double faults. There was the odd one. I'm not going to say there were none. There was not that many double faults. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that the serves are not the strongest. But by making balls, they were getting them in play, they were setting up the point, they were getting themselves in a positive situation and by making these serves. So I was really impressed with the amount of serves that they were making compared to tennis I saw last year at the event and compared to junior tennis in general and even compared to amateur tennis that I'd play. Number 12, I found these kids to be brave. They had real trust in their game. They would attack at pivotal moments. They would go to the net, they would make big balls. They didn't fall into their shell. I just found them to be really, really brave. It's probably hard for me to explain exactly how they're brave, but I could sense on the court, I could sense that the big points, that they were just going for it. And it was great to see that. You could say it looked like they weren't getting overly tight and they felt a bit loose. Obviously, there was a certain air of tightness there, but brave is one of these characteristics I felt these kids had. The next point, 13, is from Marcus Bagdadis, who is the tournament director for the event. 
I asked Marcus, what did you find special about these kids? And he goes, look, they are mini pros. They look like pros. They train like pros. They behave like pros. He goes, they are just trying to envision themselves in the future as pros and they're trying to live that life now. I agree with him. The attention to detail for these kids is already there. They show up on time. They warm up. They cool down. They stretch. They're trying to eat the right things. And I know at this event, court time was limited. There was meant to be no tennis after a certain time during the day because there was other activities on. But I could sense these kids were eager to get back on the court, work on various parts of their game and get in the extra sessions. I could just feel the love for the game there. Finally, like many kids that age, they have a dream. But what I thought was different about these is there was a purpose there. You'd ask them what do they want to be. They want to be a top professional and they're trying to do the right things to help them get there. And ultimately you feel they're really committed to this dream. It's not just a passing dream. Oh, I want this. I want to be this. But they're actively acting on it. So they are the 14 things I felt that made these kids extra special, the best in the world. I do some extra notes I'd like to add, and there's only four of them here. And the firstly is, which this one shook me by surprise. Please don't quote me on this. I don't know how true it is. One of the coaches there, I was speaking to him about the kids, and he says he was doing a bit of research on them, on, you know, on whether they go to school or not. Basically, that was it. And I was told that four from the 48 go to a regular school. That's only four go to regular school, which is absolutely crazy. Now, some are homeschooled and some take online classes from home. And then there's others in the academy who have a school in the academy or take online classes from an academy. But I was absolutely so surprised with this. Many of them have relocated to other parts of the world. Sometimes the kid is alone and other times one parent moves with them. And then sometimes the parent is with them for a bit of time and then the parent goes back home. It, you're seeing families being separated here uh, in most cases. And in some cases, families can all move together. And next, the parents were well behaved at the event. If you've been to junior tournaments around the world, I'm sure you've seen many crazy parents out there to get overly involved, but I'm not sure if this week was because it was an invited event and the parents were warned about behavior. They knew they had to be on their best behavior, but they followed through and the behavior was good. I did notice parents can add stress. Now, no matter what age level you're at, you see this, but I saw it evidently and nothing was different here. When players over talk about matches the day before, they're asking for questions about the opponent, they're speaking to coach about the opponent. The juniors really pick up on this and it just adds stress when they go out on court. And you can see this in the matches. I saw this clearly evident in a few matches. So if you are a parent, I'd recommend you talk less about upcoming matches with your kids. Often we hear about you know, after a match, after a loss or a tight match, parents shouldn't speak to their kid. They should give their kid room. But also before the match, it's important that you give your kid room. You're not overly bringing up subjects about the matches, talking about your opponent, etc. So that's something to take note. And also something a bit different, but you may not have seen. I had a clip up during the week of Francis Tiafoe, who played a 
testimonial match with Taylor Fritz. There was a press conference at the club and one of the parents asked him, Francis, how do you get in the right headspace before a match? And I'm going to splice in here what Francis had to say. The thing I do before matches is not talk to my parents. Sorry for all parents. <laughs> Sorry for all parents. I hope you enjoyed that. I know Francis was sort of joking, but he was sort of serious there too. So we got a good laugh out of it. And next, things change quickly, depending on the courts, whether it's clay, harder, other factors. I heard matches where these kids played each other over the past 12 months and the scores were the complete opposite. So scores can completely change over the period of time based on different factors. So if you do have a kid or your coach, things can change around pretty quickly if you stay working and especially at this level. And that goes back to our point before, the belief. These kids are extra special. They have that belief and they know they can win matches. And if they're putting in the work, they can turn around these results. Finally, these kids are all talented. We can argue whether it's genetic, whether both parents were top athletes, tennis players, or whether it's how hard they work. Some probably play tennis a lot more than others. And that's probably what you have to be careful about. But it all comes down to these kids having a dream and how they're acting on it and how they're trying to be a top professional at this young age. I really hope you got some value out of that. It wasn't too much. But in our next episode, I'll be speaking to Cinzia Jovinko. Cinzia is one of the parents of the boys at the event, Tyson Grant. She also has a successful 15-year-old daughter, Tyra, who's been doing well on the junior circuit. Chinzia is the parent of one of the boys players, Tyson Grant, as well as having another successful 15-year-old daughter, Tyra. She's been on the court the past seven years with the kids day in and out, and she's some great insights. She knows more than most coaches. And then she has the parent-coach perspective also. It's going to be a great episode. I'll be back next week with it, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.